Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of China Manufacturing Decoded, our podcast, where we look at everything that impacts manufacturing and also um, people who buy products or parts from China. And today we are getting back to the topic of, of logistics, moving products, and specifically to the U.S. And today... Marshall Pappis is with me, and he was with us in two previous episodes, uh, episode 78, when, where we looked at all the issues that were plaguing the U.S. supply chain, um, you know, the, not only the vessels, but, you know, the ports and, and moving the products into the country and so on and so forth. And, and Marshall gave us a pretty good overview of that. And then in episode 83, Marshall came back and covered the major trends for e-commerce companies. So a little bit of background. So I've known Marshall for years. He was living in Shenzhen like me for, for, for a long time. And he's been involved in the e-commerce in general and, and working in, um, in a software industry also before that for specifically for, uh, for, for, for buyers to manage manufacturing. So he knows this general uh, industry quite well. But maybe, uh, maybe you can do a, a self-intro, Marshall. Tell us a little bit about what you do now. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Renad. Always good to catch up. And uh, thanks for having me on the show again. So as uh, Renad mentioned, uh, my name is Marshall. And uh, I was living in Shenzhen for 17 years uh, before moving back uh, just as COVID hit to the U.S. And uh, while I was in China, I was doing e-commerce uh, and warehouses were one of our largest issues. So when we moved back to the U.S., we started a warehouse. So we're running a 3PL warehouse called Ship It Done. Uh, and uh, that's all word, one word, Ship It Done. And so we handle uh, you know, Amazon sellers. We handle B2B, Shopify, crowdfunding and and all that and one thing that uh came out of doing that business as well is the need in the marketplace for a better WMS system a warehouse management system that customers can log into and have a portal and see their inventory and and handle billing and all that um and so we wound up self developing one uh which now we're going to be spinning off as a freemium product uh called 3PL Max so if anybody's interested in a warehouse management system that's free coming online in about a month or so uh, just 3plmax.com um, and sign up. But yeah, these are the two so projects that's, that's, that we've been working on. All right. So you, you, you've developed something that you are going to, uh, to use yourself to manage your, your warehouse. And is that the case? And then you also, uh, you, you also make it accessible to, to other companies as a web-based sort of software. That's that's exactly right. Uh, you know what we what we noticed is that the systems available are just not in tune with the actual processes that small and medium sized companies need to do, and especially like if you're doing Amazon FBA versus you're doing Shopify fulfillment versus you're doing a pallet delivery or a cross stocking. You know the the, the systems just don't have the proper business flows, uh, and so we built something that does. And uh, yes, we're going to make it available for free. Um, there are upgrades and things that you can pay for, but the basic system, you know, will be free. And uh, we think, you know, by creating that network over time of people using similar software with the same mentality, uh, you know, we can we can really improve the efficiencies here. Nice, nice. So we'll uh, we'll leave a link in the show notes. What was the was the name again? Three PL. Three PL Max. 
Max, okay, all right. Dot com. Cool. I appreciate yes. the, yeah. we'll, the we'll, opportunity to, to plug that. We're really excited about it. <laughs> sure. We'll, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. So today, as I mentioned, this is an update on the, the logistics situation, specifically in the U.S. And we're going to look at it in three time ranges. So first is like right now, what is the situation? And we'll look, you know, what about the rest of the year? What does it look like? And then with all the changes in the industry and the investments and so on, what does it look like maybe three years from now, right? So, so first, what, what's going on now? Because I, I've read some contradictory things. You know, it's summer, so there's a lot of products for, uh, for Christmas that are getting shipped now. So usually it's peak season. But at the same time, I see that demand for freight in the U.S. at least is down by, what, 30 40% uh, yeah. relative to, to the peak when it was the worst with the, with the highest rates. And, you know, and at the same time, you have sort of a looming economic recession or maybe, you know, let's just see a, a downturn or a slowdown. Uh, and we see that some big retailers are pulling back, back some orders. What, what, what's going on? And also... When it comes to the, the ports and moving all the containers out of the ports and into the, 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 the rest of the country, have things gotten better since we talked about it last year? What, what, what have you seen on your side? Okay, so uh, great question. So I'm going to try to answer this specifically from my personal experience mm-hmm. running a warehouse as opposed mm-hmm. to giving you know every opinion from what I've read because you know I think right. the whole idea is 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 what we're seeing. So yeah. um, what we're seeing is that um, the volume is picking up. Uh, we are getting busier and busier at the warehouse in terms of storage. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, we've had a three times uh, increase in the amount of storage from our customers wow. uh, with, with, you know, really only like a 10% increase in the customer base. Mm. Um, so, so people definitely have stock. Um, mm. It seems that Amazon is, is tightening again. I, I didn't get all the, the, the information yet, but uh, one of our customers was planning on sending in, uh, they, they had five full uh, trucks, 53 foot trailers, of uh, a product. And uh, I think they expected most of that to go into Amazon and, and only a little bit was able to, and they said there were some new, uh, new tweaks to their account. So I don't know if that's systemic mm-hmm. or if it's uh, just their mm-hmm. account. Um, but most interestingly is we're seeing a lot of new drivers. Um, the, the drivers that used to come um, mm-hmm. delivering trucks and containers were usually the same people uh, or people who have been driving for a while and uh, now it's uh, like 70% people who, you know, can't even back in a truck. Now that oh. is, that is good and bad. The good news is that there are people coming online, you know, labor market seems to be sorting itself out um, and people are moving, excuse me, people are moving things again. Um, mm. But, mm. you know, everything is still operating much slower. Um, and I'll give you just a easy example. Um, like, uh our UPS driver, you know, he, he mm-hmm. comes at 11 and he comes at four, you know, 11 AM is the, the drop-off 4 PM is the pickup. And the guy is always on time. It's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But when he's on holiday uh, or vacation, as they say here, uh, 
you know, the, the, the guy comes at 1230 and he come and he picks up at five. And, you know, the only difference is he's not as efficient in his route, right? He hasn't mm. been doing it as long. And using that as an example, I can only imagine what's happening with all these trucks and containers coming in and all these new people that, that, you know, are coming online and are online, but, uh, you know, they just don't know the systems. They don't mm. have the efficiencies. Um, you know, if, if, if backing into our warehouse takes, you know, four or five tries as opposed to one, and you extrapolate that through the mm. whole supply chain, I, I still think we're operating at a much lower efficiency uh, overall. And, oh, yeah. uh, and in terms of the cost, um, you know, we're definitely still seeing extremely high costs related to or compared to uh, before the pandemic and before all the recent issues with uh, the war in Europe and all that. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, if you, I tried to think back before COVID, you know, I, w- I would have expected to be able to put a container from China to Los Angeles for, you know, 2000 bucks, 2000 US dollars, um, you know, and, yeah. and, it, and it took, you know, three, four weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then to truck it, you know, to New York would have costed $1,800. And our biggest concern was, you know, should we be looking at Vietnam instead of China, you know, try to save something on the, on the, on the labor. Um, but, but now I think the problems are, are much larger in the sense that, you know, the, the, the freight rates are, yeah, okay, maybe it went from $30,000 a container down, back down to 15 or 20, but that's still way higher than two. And I don't think it's going back there. And and I think that, you know, there's enough things going on in the world that's going to keep the pressure on uh, oil and gas and, and all mm-hmm. that. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, what moves these containers across the, the ocean, you know, is, is you know, easel. <laughs> um, yeah. and, uh, and so as long as energy is going to be a risk for the, for the economy as a whole um, and the people, uh, then, you know, I think this is going to remain a problem. Um, and it's, uh, and, and China is just such a great place to manufacture in general. I mean, I haven't been there with all the COVID things going on, but you know, you can't just create a new China. Um, so we have to learn how to live with this and, you know, stabilize the, the chains as much as we can. Yes, that makes sense. Okay. So with nearly the same client base, you have a lot more, uh, a lot more products. So people might have gathered some stock. Uh, but maybe that that means also maybe that demand went down with people maybe worrying about the economy and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of maybes here for sure. But there have been news about Walmart and others, you know, canceling orders. And of course, at the other end of the of the chain, you know, the, the manufacturers get stuck with that, you know, those unsold goods and, and is really paying for it. So this is coming again, it seems like it does a, every time there's a there's a downturn. And like it, like they did really big time in early 2020, of course. Yeah. What about the the ease of getting containers into the the U.S. ports and and getting getting these goods out of the ports? Has it, has it improved since last time we talked? Or I, I think it's improved, but when I say improved, I think it just uh, became two weeks longer than it used to be, and and that's the new norm. Uh, and if you plan that in, you know, then then it's okay. I mean, I don't think mm. things are getting completely blocked up anymore. I mean, all our customers are having their products delivered, um, but it is taking on average two weeks more. So if it was going to take five weeks, for example, to the East Coast uh, from China, you know, now it's going to take seven weeks. 
Um, and I don't know mm-hmm. if that's uh, a delay in, in departure or if it's a, a delay in our port here or, you know, or if it's just sitting uh, until a dredge mm-hmm. guy comes and picks it up. I, I don't know. But but it's taking two weeks longer. And I think um, your point about the demand is interesting because on one hand, we have too much of all the stuff we don't need. And you can you know go into Target and Walmart and everything's still on sale. Um, okay. So that's that's interesting. But but then, you know, the things that you want uh, are, are not available. Like, um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I need to buy a minivan. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I was thinking of trading in my uh, Explorer and going to get a, vin- a minivan. And, um, you know, I'd like a hybrid minivan. But anyway, bottom line is you can go across the entire country and there is one red Chrysler Pacifica hybrid in the entire country. And I have to get a red one because that's my wife's oh, rule. Wow. So, um, and they're not taking orders and they don't know when more are coming. Um, the same thing is going on for transformers, like, uh, electrician that was working with us. Uh, he's having trouble getting parts, uh, things that are backed up, you know, three, six months. Uh, we are looking to expand our building in the back. And, uh, they said it used to be like a four month lead time, but he said it's eight to 12 months now because mm. just getting the steel and getting all the parts for the building, for the steel building to, to put it together. Uh, the solar panel industry is, uh, we have one solar customer and, and, you know, they've been having a nightmare of a time uh, getting uh, things imported in order to make solar panels in Germany, which then get exported to the U S. So, you know, again, it's, it's like, is it getting better? It it's better than it was, but it's, everything is creaking, creaking, creaking along for all the important things. Right, right, right. It's quite erratic, yes. Well, cars, yeah, cars are, you know, that's related probably in good part with the semiconductor uh, manufacturing issues, the the big shortages. And if it's a hybrid or or fully electrical vehicle, it might be a very difficult transition. Maybe like Volkswagen is having a lot of issues and they're delaying everything because of uh, software that they want to rewrite sort of from scratch yeah. for for EVs uh, rather than uh, combustion engine cars. Yep. Uh, and it's they've delayed the num- you know the launch of a number of models by like two or three years. It's amazing. So cars are a little bit of a special case, but yes, what you said rings true. Um, of course, I, I I I see that quite a bit. There's a lot of a lot of components and materials that are, you know much more expensive than they used to be and or in, in severe shortage, right? So um, that's uh, that's the world of 2022, I guess, and 2021. And uh, yeah, I don't really see an end to this in the next few months for sure. Uh, what about the changes in uh, legislation for truckers in California? Have you heard about that? I I, I don't know that much about it, to be honest. I should read more, um, but I, I I know that there was an issue uh, over the the age of the truck, and then there was over how many hours you can drive, and then it's over uh, whether it's an independent contractor or a full employee, and uh, you know these are these are big variables, right? You know that that drastically affect uh, the way things work. So um, you know stability is good, flexibility is good. And California being, you know, the, I don't know if it's the largest, but pretty sure it's the largest uh, Mm. port now. You know, a lot of things have been moving more to the East Coast. So it's hard to 
to to see uh, what's the lar- you know what's uh, the largest and not the largest anymore as things move around. Mm-hmm. But but it, you know California is so important to the U.S. I mean all the standards for the whole country for the environmental stuff usually yeah. get done in California, and then you know yeah. most most uh, freight has to pass through California in one form or another. Um, and so you know whatever California says is almost what the whole U.S. has to do uh, to mm-hmm. a certain extent. So. You know, if they're uh, gonna, if they're going to be requiring that everyone is a full employee, for example, that's mm-hmm. going to add a tremendous cost structure uh, to mm-hmm. you know to the industry. Mm-hmm. But I still mm-hmm. think that gas yeah. and, and diesel cost is really the the key because, like right now, for example, and the U.S. has been always lucky. Uh, we've had you know relatively inexpensive energy compared to mm-hmm. a lot of places, and. Um, you know, the, the diesel price was, is up to like $6 and 20 cents a gallon here now. And that's not even in California, it's higher there. So, um, you know, for, it used to be $2, you know, $1.99. And when I was growing up, it was like, you know, 60 cents. So, um, you know, I think this is a real adjustment that just energy is more expensive now. I don't think that trend is going away. So if you really want to project out prices, you know, I think that, um, you know, with the dollar strong right now, and our prices are already at almost all-time highs, uh, if there was any issue that made the dollar go down relative to other currencies, you know, that could be a huge spike. And, um, you know, it's a big expense for people in the U.S. to to fill up their tank. Um, oh, yeah. I was talking with uh, one of the tr- truckers, and he said he's spending uh, 1200 U.S. dollars per day to keep his truck running, um, you know, and, and that's that's just... That's horrible. Uh, they're used mm-hmm. to 400, um, and so uh, a lot of independent truckers are considering going back and working for larger trucking lines, um, which mm-hmm. you know can help uh, a little bit, but it can also dry up the spot market and make it, you know, make the supply less for for trucks um, mm-hmm. or, or less available. Sorry. So there's a lot of variables uh, here that you know, have to be monitored. And uh, it's it's just not a straight shot in terms of predicting at this point, you know? Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Now, let, okay, so that's the situation now. Let's look at the rest of the year because that's what a lot of people are, are wondering about, right? And then I, I, I came on this um, this this article from um, the Journal of Commerce, right, JOC.com, a bit more than a month ago. But they were saying that port congestion will get worse before it gets better and that you know everybody was saying that the carriers the forwarders and so on what do you expect what what do your customers expect what what you know have you seen something about about that or are you just like hey there's so many variables there's no way to know right because there's contradictory factors some of them may be pushing things to be um a little bit less fluid than they should be, and some others helping out. So, do do you have um do you have an outlook, or if you if you were to bet on something, what what would it be? Yeah, I think it's a good question, and I, you know, nobody wants to have objective proof that they were wrong, so people are hesitant to give their opinion when there's so <laughs> many variables. But but I'll do it. Um, I think the rest of the year is going to be about the same uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the U.S. Um, I think that the energy situation is stable. I think the in the U.S. Uh, I think the uh, labor participation is increasing, uh, and I don't know if that's official stat or, but it's just my feeling. You know, I mean, there's people coming back to work. 
Um, there's a lot of new truckers that, like I said, they don't really know what they're doing yet, but they will in, in the next few months. Um, and, uh, and business, you know, seems to be okay. You know, people will take whatever they can get because there's such a backlog. Um, so I'm going to say that everything's going to be about the same for the rest of the year. Mm. What about for people who want to book a container and who want to, you know, to know that it's going to take whatever, uh, five weeks, six weeks, and then it's going to get on the truck and it's going to arrive on that date. Do you see reliability of forecasts improving or really would, would that also be roughly the same? I think just don't be overly ambitious. You know, you have to buffer in. If, if you're trying to make Christmas, mm -hmm. for example, you know, or you have a, a set date you're trying to hit that that's a must hit. Uh, you know, just you have to assume a couple weeks delay getting out of China. Uh, you have to assume a couple mm -hmm. weeks, you know, sitting in the port. And uh, if you tack it all on, you know, give yourself that buffer of four to five weeks uh, on a, in addition to, you know, the, the three or four that you would have normally had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it sounds like a lot, but that's what's comfortable now. And um, mm -hmm. if you stick with that, I think you'll be okay. Right. Well, plus incentive like China wants to get stuff out. You know, the U.S. wants to get stuff in. Uh -huh. You know, uh, there, there's regardless of politics. You know, like uh, there's a pretty broad consensus that everyone needs to get back to work. I believe so. Uh, from that perspective, I, I don't think we're going to see any more crazy shutdowns from China um, in terms of like really not getting the the things out of port. I just I think that's over. And then I think uh, in the U.S., everyone's pointed in the right direction at least. Hmm. Okay, well, let's look at China because <laughs> well, first the supplier might be one or two weeks late, which is, let's say, not unheard of, right? I, I didn't include that, by the way. Sorry, I didn't include that. That, that, that I don't right. know. <laughs> that, that's on top of the, the buffer that you mentioned. Right. right. Yeah, plus the shutdown. So right now, as we are recording this July 14th, there's no shutdown of a large area of China, right? They, um, they did it a bit in Guangdong in March. And then um, the area around Shanghai and Jiangsu has really suffered, you know, so it's been very painful. But uh, in the meantime, Guangdong was producing like, you know, <laughs> uh, like there was no issue at all. Um, and, and various areas like Shandong, and so on, um, have had no issues. Fujian, most of Zhejiang have had no issues and production has been going on. So I, 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 I would tend to agree with you. However, and I think that the big lockdown of Shanghai that I think by now every, everybody's heard of, and, and by the way, it's mostly over, um, and pretty much over. Uh, I think that lockdown of Shanghai was a warning sign from Beijing to the local governments that, you know, maybe want to take it easy. Maybe you think that, hey, here is Shanghai, you know, it's a bit different. <laughs> That's the way I, I kind of read it because in Shanghai, even in, um, in, 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 in March and April of 2020, there was never really a lockdown in, in uh, most of Shanghai. People were still going to bars and, and things like that. So People in Shanghai were always like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's the rest of the country, but here it's, right. you know, it's so well managed. And, and, and then when they started to have some cases, they were still a bit casual about it. 
Mm. And then when Beijing went in, that you know, they to their horror, it was way past what they would tolerate. So they they uh, they imposed a very harsh, very long lockdown, and is it's kind of a warning to the other local governments. Do you see it this way? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, just having been out of China for a few years, I, I haven't uh, kept up on it as much. Um, but uh, one thing that is very interesting to me is just the absolute opposite uh, way that it's being managed, you know, in the U.S. versus oh, yeah. versus China. I mean, mm-hmm. here, you know, you, do, you don't have masks, you don't have to vaccinate anymore. I mean, you don't, uh, you don't even have to test to come into the country as a tourist. So, right. uh, you know, that's just, uh, we're, we're open and, um, you know, they're not. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe they know something uh, that, that, that we don't, but, you know, it just seems like black and white, you know, uh, approaches. And, um, you know, I'd love to go back to China and, and visit and see friends and business colleagues. And, uh, you know, I, I, I lived in China 17 years. I mean, I, it, it pains me that, you know, I can't go back because there's, all these lockdowns, uh, not lockdowns per se, but, uh, you know, the quarantine time, you know, it, it really puts a barrier on being able right. to, to go in and out like, like I used to. Um, so I just hope, you know, that there gets to be a happy medium. <laughs> uh, but it really is stark, you know, the difference between uh, how, how the US has handled it versus China. Well, that's true. I mean, I've been over the past two months have traveled um, through India, um, some parts of Europe, like Italy, France, no, no problem. I mean, yeah, they will ask, are you vaccinated? But then apart from that, yeah, no PCR test, nothing, no quarantine, no worries, really, no worries. Well, yeah, in Italy, actually, if you take the plane or the train, you have to wear, a, you know, the equivalent of an N95 or K95 type of mask. Uh, yeah. That's it. That's the worst that I have seen, right? That's the worst I have seen. So, and then people tell me, hey, you're going to travel back to the past. Yeah, that's right. true. <laughs> I, I, I do have a fundamental belief that, you know, uh, as much as I'm a technologist and I do everything online, you know, but but to mm-hmm. actually build new business relationships, you know, like going mm-hmm. to Guangzhou Fair, you know, going to visit factories, going to, you know, specifically meet with your quality company and go through mm-hmm. requirements or, you know, whatever, or, or going to different countries to check out different sources. And um, I, I, I think, you know, people have got to get back uh, doing what they were doing. Uh, otherwise, you know, the economy is not going to be in a good place. Uh, you know, I just think that I just think that the that that movement of labor is so critical to the way our economy functions. Oh. I hope it comes back. Oh yeah, I mean, especially with China, uh, there's a lot of a lot of our clients haven't seen their suppliers for what two and a half years now or more, and they, you know, communication goes down. Yeah. Um, the little little issues and little issues, and they balloon into big issues, and then the relationship really turns sour, and they. Uh, they look for another supplier. I mean, it's really, yeah, it's, it's really bad. So um, the, the third point I wanted to cover with you here is, is what about three years from now? So we're playing, again, just betting a little bit. But when I see, I've been following the news, you know, about logistics, basically all the big, big lines like Maersk and CGA, uh, what is it, CMA, CGM, and uh, all, all the the others, they've been making so much money, right? Costco and so on. And 
part of that money, well, they invested in booking new new vessels for for containers, right? And there's this uh, article in Container News that came out just three days ago, and they say, well, for the first time, first time in history, there are more box ship container ships uh, in you know on order than uh, tankers and, and and bulk ships, right? Um, now. If the rates go down dramatically, I guess some of these orders will, will get canceled. But if the rates stay roughly where they are today, uh, which yeah is not unlikely at all, uh, there's going to be a lot more vessels on you know on the oceans. So wh- when we just look at shipments from let's say from Asia to the US and to Europe, there's going to be a lot of competition, and and of course the container boxes. Are getting churned out by you know from Chinese factories by the hundreds. So within one or two years, we're gonna we're gonna be swimming in an ocean of containers. And within two, three, four years, there'll be so many vessels. You know, some of them would just be you know the old ones will get scrapped, and the new efficient huge ones would would be would be in operation. But um, it's gonna be an enormous amount of competition, right? Do you do you think again? The the energy price will um, will be the main factor. How, how do you see a world with so much extra shipping capacity? Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. There's so many variables, um, but again, I'll I'll do my best. So I, I think three years is tough, but but if I push it to five years, just to give mm-hmm. it a little bit more time, um, I. I think there are really fundamental things going on uh, in the world that are changing the way things work. Uh, so, like for example, you know, um, when the when Europe had all the, all its different currencies before you know the year two thousand, and then all of a sudden it was the mm. euro, right? Um, mm. It's almost like the reverse of that. Uh, there's the dollar mm. standard, and I'm not predicting the end of the world or anything, but I am predicting that you know, different currencies are going to be used more often when you're trading between different pathways of countries. Uh, There's going to be higher insurance costs, there's going to be higher energy costs and higher um, complexity in terms of uh, how relationships and contracts have to go in order to get things from where they're going to where they're trying to get to, uh, where where they're coming from and where they're trying to get to. And the, the point is, is that it's just going to be like a, a defragmentation uh, that requires more pieces and more middlemen to to help the chain. And uh, in that environment, I think, yes, you'll see downward pressure in terms of the number of containers available and maybe the number of ships available. And, you know, maybe the labor issues will free up and COVID will be a, a thing of the past or at least, you know, integrated into the system. Uh, but, you know, the complexity and the the legal and the insurance and, and, and all that uh, combined mm-hmm. with the extra cost of, of, of energy. I think that's really where we're looking at. So, um, you know, are we ever going to get back to $2,000, uh, you know, on a DDP <laughs> situation <laughs> from China to, to New York and, you know, I'm oh, sorry, to California, and then just having one, uh, you know, freight forwarder being, being able to manage all those pieces? I, I don't think so. You know, I think it's going to be, uh, somebody in the U.S., you know, contacting another company who's going to be another company, and they each have their thing and their markup and their structure. And I think it's going to be more handoffs, you know, maybe more integrated systems, uh, but it's going to be higher cost structure, I think. Mm. Um, and mm. 
And so, yeah, I think it's just going to, you know, maybe if it right, right now, if it, if it's $20,000 to ship a container or even 15,000, you know, maybe it'll go to 12 or 10 or eight, but you know, is it ever coming back to two? I don't think so. And, uh, and with energy going the wrong way, if the dollar weakens, especially, I think you could really see it easily bouncing back up to 30, 40, $50,000 a container. Even if the containers are physically available, the mm. cost to, to physically move the ships, you know, is, is going to be a, a problem going forward for a number of years. I mean, we, you know, we're, nobody's invested. There's a global problem. Nobody other than China really has invested in their energy infrastructure in a serious way. You know, Europe has done the opposite. The U S hasn't built a refinery since the late 1970s. Um, you know, uh, people want to go green, but it's just right, going right. to take some time. It's just going to take some time, you know, and, right. uh, and, and I think it's catching up. So it's not a doomsday scenario, but I don't think it's getting better. You know, I think, it, I think we have a decade or two of digging ourselves out of this. Hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. At the same time, I was looking at the, 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 the numbers, the customs data about imports and exports. And Mexico has not gained, you know, as much as we thought, has not gained much at all, actually, um, for many reasons. But, uh, yeah, that, that was quite a surprise. Vietnam, of course, went up quite a bit. They, they, they took a lot, of, um, a lot of business away from China and other countries like India, actually, have got, a, you know, some, some business away from, from China as well. This is in the data. Uh, but... I don't see much you know, regionalization, as people say, um, you know, moving a lot of the manufacturing very close to the market. I, um, I just haven't seen that much. In, in Europe, it's a little bit, a little bit more, uh, more obvious with places like Turkey and um, not Eastern Europe. Actually, some, some business was going to Eastern Europe and, you know, until the war in Ukraine. And now <laughs> they kind of have cold feet, I don't know why. Um, but Northern Africa is, is picking up. Um, but in terms of volume, it's still quite negligible, you know, um, when compared with, you know, what, what they buy from Asia. So big question mark here in my in my mind. Um, but anyway, we'll be back I, to, just um, to... Just to add on to that real quick, I, I, I do see people trying to uh, change their sourcing location and and, you know, manufacture local more local but i think it's uh it, it's like the green movement you know i mean it's it's it the goal is there you know but it's right. going to take so much time and i mean you know you and i have both traveled around the world and been in factories i mean there's nothing better than a good a well-run chinese factory i mean they're amazing you know at the the scale and the size and just the way they get things done and the processes and the people i mean you know china is really amazing for manufacturing and i think that you know, that has to be respected in the sense that you can't just copy and paste it back to the US or back to even Mexico or, or even to India, you know, I mean, it, 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 they're really good. Uh, and uh, we, yeah. you know, it, 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 the, yeah. they can lead the world, like we should all learn, you know, how to manufacture again, <laughs> really, you know, I mean, uh, but, but we have to be equally awed, you know, with how capable China is as a manufacturer. That's true. I mean, they have, they have the, the, the drive, uh, they have the manpower, man, you know, still now with the demographic trends and so on. I mean, they have a lot of manpower, 
willing to work in factories, they, you know, they're fast. Uh, people want to earn money and be more productive. And they've had a lot of subsidies to, to upgrade and automate their equipment. And so, of course, it's, and maybe the one thing that's hardest to replicate is the, the, the depth of the supply chain or the components over there. So, yeah, not easy. Fully agree with you. Not easy to relocate. Okay, so, so I think it's happening, you know, I think it's happening, but it, but it's, it's not, it, it's a multi-decade process and it's more of like an equalization yeah. across the world as opposed to, you know, everybody just leaving China. Oh yeah. 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 Right. Right. And you're right. It's like the green, green movement. It's at this point, it's still at the fringes when you look at the big picture, when you look at the data and let's see in, yeah, in 10 or 20 years, let's see where it is. I mean, uh, there are some good trends, but they need to uh, they need to accelerate a bit. I think we all agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Marshall. Uh, that was a great overview and, and, and a great discussion. And uh, hopefully the listeners, you know, maybe uh, see a little bit clearer into the future. But again, these are all wild guesses. And um, let's see where, where all, all this goes. Uh, so again, this was Marshall from Ship It Dawn. Uh, shipitdone.com we'll have the link in the show notes and uh, well yeah thanks so much Marshall and uh, talk to you next time thank you Renaud I appreciate it great show thank you and bye to the listeners you'll hear from us next week thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group we're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia including inspections auditing new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.